Before sunrise, Burn Dairy and Deli is preparing to fuel your day with hot coffee, donuts, muffins, breakfast sandwiches, and other morning staples. For lunch, grab a giant deli sandwich made the way you like it. Pizza, wings, wraps, or a fresh salad. Plus, something to wash it down. Then pick up dinner or a sweet treat and other pantry essentials. Now you can get your Burn Dairy and Deli favorites delivered with DoorDash. All day, every day, you can count on Burn Dairy and Deli. It's all good. Hi, this is Cal Ripken Jr., and you're listening to the ML Sports Platter. It is the ML Sports Platter. All over the major platforms, download and subscribe and leave feedback and a five-star review. We're brought to you by Camillus Golf Club, Ken's Auto Detailing, the Syracuse Fitness Store, Prestwick Golf and our great friends at Rosie's Corner as you hear this. Man, it is Fish Friday and it is so good uh, at Rosie's right off the Bartell Road exit in Burton. Gift cards are available for the holidays as well. If you're in and around Central New York, get on over to Rosie's Corner. Pizza, wings, pasta, hot and cold subs and more. Great classic burgers. And of course, of course, they are available via Grubhub as well. Your Fish Friday, you can get the entree or the lunch version, and the mac and cheese, coleslaw, and french fry side options. Let's talk with Sal Mayorana at Sal Mayorana on Twitter, Buffalo Bills insider, writer, reporter for the Democrat and Chronicle in Rochester. Sal, happy holidays. Thank you for coming on. Good, Mike. Hope you're doing well. I am. I appreciate that. Um, Let's start with last week in Tampa. Did the Bills find anything in that comeback that was short? Um... Well, look, I mean, I, I would think that they're hoping they can build off the second half. It was, you know, such a disastrous first half on both sides of the ball. And when you followed that up with, you know, what happened against New England, things were looking like it was unraveling. And, you know, the second half, you got to give them full marks for what they did. Um, you know, and really, it, it gets overlooked. As good as Allen was in the offense, the defense got its act together, too. Without the defense playing the way it did, that comeback never even happened. So, you know, you would think that they could build off of, of that, you know, that second half. Um, but look, Mike, <laughs> I, I think we've overrated this team all year. I know I have, and I just don't see them. I mean, I think they'll make the playoffs. I just don't see them in the same way that I saw them last year. So now we move to the Carolina game. What's the latest on Josh Allen? It looks like he was practicing a little bit here today as we record this on a Thursday. Um, the foot looks better. He's out of the boot. Is he a go, do you think, for Sunday? Yeah, I, I think he'll play. Um, you know, he was at practice today. We're not allowed to watch much. And what we were able to see, he was just doing basically standing still, throwing the ball. He wasn't really moving around. Um, in the things that we're able to watch. So, but I think he'll be, I think he's going to be able to play. Um, you could tell he finished on, he finished the game on the foot. He, he was out and about on town Tuesday night. From what I heard, went to see Hamilton and he wasn't showing a limp according to the social media, you know, crazies out there. So, um, and even yesterday when we spoke to him on zoom, as they closed practice, they had a walkthrough. Um, he didn't sound like a guy who wasn't going to play. He was saying the right things, but you could almost tell that he thinks he's going to be good to go. So I expect him to play. Sal Marana uh, with us, the Buffalo Bills insider and, uh, of course, beat man for the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle here on the ML Sports Platter. 
uh, go give Sal a follow on Twitter, a must follow at Sal Marana. Um, how much do you think the Bills should be trying to run the ball? I, I just, this whole, you know, McDermott forcing it, you know, especially lately, they changed the game plan clearly against Tampa and just said, we're going through number 17, that's it. We're not running it pretty much at all. Um, yeah, I, I think there is a need for a little bit of a ground attack outside of Allen, but let's face it, Sal, I mean, this team, they're short of downhill runner, uh, downhill blockers, and they're short of a really good running back personnel. So how much should they really force the issue? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a quandary for the Bills because, you know, what happened against the Patriots, that was a night where you needed to have some semblance of a running game, and they have none. So they were in big trouble in that game, and now moving forward, three of their well, all four of their of their games are in cold water weather places. Three of them in Buffalo, and one in Foxborough. And if there's another day or two that we saw, now we're probably not going to see what we saw against the Patriots. That was absurd. But you know, it's very easily it's very easy to see the weather could be crappy on some of these days, and it's going to really hinder the passing game. And the Bills are going to have trouble. I've been saying this for a couple of years. Last year, they had unbelievably uncommon luck mm-hmm. with weather. I mean, they went through the all the way to Kansas City. The weather was fine for them to throw the ball all over the field. And this year, we're going to have to see if that happens. But we've already seen what happens when they can't throw it. And it's a problem because, you know, I, I was all for last week. They, they should have thrown the ball on every damn play. Perfect weather. Uh, there was no reason to even bang your head against the wall. But they might have to bang their head against the wall in some of these games coming up, and I wonder if they can succeed. When, when did this season go go wrong? What, what Was it when Allen couldn't get in from you know the one-yard line in, in Tennessee? Was it against the Jaguars? Was it ultimately against the Patriots? Where, where, where did this go south? Oh, there's no question. I mean, we when we write the story of this season, this season, the demarcation line was the Jacksonville game. I agree. That, that changed everything. You know, the Tennessee game, look, they should have won the game. They were right there. They had a chance to win it. But that was one of, like, four games all year where the Titans had their full team together. Mm-hmm. And they're a good team. Mm-hmm. They had everybody on the field that night, including, of course, Derrick Henry. The game was on the road. You know, it's a game the Bills should have won but you can't fault them for not winning that Jacksonville game. They went into their six and two. They were on a roll. They should have easily been seven and two. And then the whole arc of the season probably looks different. And undeniably that was the game. You can't lose that game to that idiotic coach who lost his job overnight. Finally, Uh, it's going to be the game that probably kills their season. If nothing else, Mike, you know, even if they make the playoffs, that might be the game that cost them a division title. That might be the one. And that means they got to go on the road for the playoffs. And, you know, this Bills team is not going to win three times on the road, I don't think, to get to the Super Bowl. I couldn't agree more. I mean, just an absolute clunker and horrible. Why? It's just inexcusable. You know, you, you should be able to, you know, beat Jacksonville with your, with your C game, for crying out loud. And they, they ended up playing an F game, you know, and so they lost. You know? Yeah, it was it was one of the most incredible days of football. I mean, I've covered this team through a lot of bad times, as you know. That game right there is easily top three or four all-time worst losses. And I'm not talking about, you know, losing 56-10 to, to the Patriots 
in 07, those types of games. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about when the Bills have been a good team, to lose a game to that time, that type of team, the way they did, that ranks easily top two, three, four in my career, maybe in Bills history, which goes back, you know, double the length of time that I've covered the team. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Um, you know, Brandon Bean has gotten a lot of praise, and, and rightfully so, but the Bills this year, you know, they brought back the band. And at the time, it seemed great. You bring back Feliciano and Milano and Williams. They all accept deals with the way the cap is. And, um, you know, we've talked about the development of certain guys. Hey, if, if this guy hits, if this guy takes the next step, the Ed Olivers, Dawson, Knoxes and company, um, great. But the Bills are one game over 500 as we head into this Carolina game, Sal, and, and they're flawed. You know, they've been exposed. Um, they're one-dimensional. Brandon Bean has missed on some guys to this point. I think you would agree with that. I, I'm not saying that all of them, this is the end-all, be-all, and we know exactly where these guys are right now. Uh, maybe another year we will know on the surface how all these guys look. But where do you think is Brandon Bean's biggest miss? Yeah, I mean, the biggest misses clearly have been in the trenches, right? I mean, Cody Ford, you pick him, you pick him in the second round, he's supposed to be, well, they thought, he was going to be their right tackle for, for many years. And he wasn't even here half the season. And they realized he couldn't play tackle. And they had to put him at guard eventually. Uh, big miss there. But really throughout the whole uh, offensive and defensive line, I think he's missed on several guys. Uh, defensive line particularly for me, um, you know, they've got no pass rush. They, they they can say they affect the quarterback and they get pressures. And, and you know, it's not always about the sacks. This team with four man with a four man rush does not get to the quarterback nearly as much as they should, especially when you've got you know multiple first and second rounders: AJ Epinesa, Greg Rousseau, Ed Oliver. Um, you know, even even Harrison Phillips was a third rounder. You know, a relatively high asset. You've got too many guys. Bookie Basham can't even get on the field. There's too many guys that are high draft picks who just aren't playing where they should be probably playing given their draft status. And you're still relying on guys like Jerry Hughes right. and Mario Addison, who were both, you know, 33, 34, to be your best pass rusher. So that's where I think he has failed the greatest, is in, you know, building up both of the lines. Because, as you and I both know, all this passing is great, and, you know, the receivers and this and that. you got to be able to block up front and, on the other side of the ball, affect the quarterback. Yeah, there's no doubt. So it's interesting because – you know, when you look at the box score from Tampa and you look at some other box scores, you know, during his career, Tremaine Edmonds looks good. <laughs> the numbers look good. 12 total tackles, seven uh, solo, and one tackle for a loss. But there's way more to it than that. Um, I don't know what happened on that overtime play from Brady to Perriman if that was somebody else was out of place and Edmonds just happened to be there. or I, I mean, it was clearly a, a broken coverage play across the middle, the Bills got caught. Um, but what's next for Tremaine Edmonds, Sal? Yeah, he's been a quandary since the moment they drafted him. Um, you know, and he came into the league very young. So we kept hearing for the first, second, even third year that he's still so young. Well, now he's not so young anymore. He's, he's young, but he's in his fourth season in the NFL. And I've always said the same thing about Edmonds. He does make, you know, he makes tackles. He's, a, he's very good in pass coverage. He changes passing lanes and forces quarterbacks to look 
you know, at a route maybe a little bit differently. He does do those types of things. But what I've always said about Edmonds is you name me the one impact play he's ever made in his career. One of those game-changing type of plays, whether it's an interception, a forced fumble, a recovery, even a sack. They never, they never pass rush him, so he doesn't have a chance for those. But name me a play that he made that changed the outcome of the game. There isn't one. And right. that's, to me, when you've got a middle linebacker who's that big and athletic, right in the middle of all the action, to have never, never made a game-changing play, it, it, it speaks volumes for what he really is. It's easy to say now because Trey White is out for the year. Uh, but going back to, and really even if Trey White was in there, uh, you know, we we talked all year long last year and, and, and all year long this year about, man, it'd be nice to have another corner opposite Trey White, opposite, you know, Levi Wallace, just not just not cutting it, or a roller coaster kind of player. Uh, Dane Jackson not ready, a host of others you can't really put in there. Um, should the Bills have, I know they needed to address the defensive line, and so far Boogie Basham doesn't have a role on the team, and, and Greg Russo's a good run stopper, but he's not getting after the quarterback enough, at least in his early tenure. Should they have come off of that a little bit, maybe, and grabbed one pass rusher like a Russo and then grabbed a corner? You know, because you look at these guys like Stokes and Sertan and um, other young corners that, you know, the Bills, you, you put them opposite Trey White or even without White in there, you've got a little bit more oomph, you know, in that in that secondary at the corner spot. Should they have addressed that? With, with, right. Okay. I, I, I said this since the moment the 2020 season ended. I thought one of the biggest priorities they were going to have to have going into the offseason was to either sign a cornerback in free agency yeah. or draft one high in the first or second round. I, I could not believe that they got through free agency doing nothing. I mean, you know, in past years they had signed, you know, Josh Norman last year, the year before that it was Kevin Johnson, you know, veteran guys who could come in and battle with Levi Wallace and may the best man win. And then the other guy would be a solid number three corner. When they didn't do that in free agency or the draft, I, I, I walked away stunned that they honestly believed they were going to go into the year with Trey White and Levi Wallace and the only guy on the outside that was going to be, a, you would think, a decent enough backup would be Dane Jackson, who was a seventh-round pick in 2020, who played, like I think, in like four or five games maybe and you know did a little bit but clearly wasn't starter material. That, to me, was a huge... Um, roster construction whiff for the Bills, and now they're paying for it. I mean, Dane Jackson, you know, we saw him in the Patriots game. You couldn't tell because there was no passes. Last week, I thought he played, you know, pretty well. He, I, I didn't see him getting killed, didn't see him getting burned, but we'll see as it moves on now, as teams get to see him more and more, how they attack him, and I think it's a problem. I think it's a big problem for the Bills, and God forbid one of those guys gets hurt now. Right. Then they're into practice squad guys. So, yeah, it was a huge miss for the Bills this year, especially in a year when you're winning. You're trying to win now. To, to go into a season that light at such an important position was really, really a big oversight for the Bills. Well, you know, the, the Bills, being in McDermott, you know, they, they lose to the Chiefs, and it's we got to catch the Chiefs. We got to do this. We got to do that. We got to catch up to them and we've got to match them blow for blow and we need to get pass rushers and we need this and we need that. Sell, there's 30 other teams in the NFL. I mean, 
you know, it's not just about the Kansas City Chiefs. It's about all factors of football and all teams on the schedule. You know, that's, I, I think maybe they got caught up too much in the Kansas City Chiefs thing, you know? Yeah, and I also think, though, Mike, that's a little bit overblown. People have, people have made that reference, you know, because Bean did make reference to, you know, that's the team that we're chasing. But look, there's other teams that play like the Chiefs. They may not have the same quarterback as the Chiefs or tight end or wide receiver, but there's a lot of teams that try to play, you know, like the Chiefs. The Bills are one of them, right? The Bills are one of those teams. So I think there was many teams that they're looking to try to beat, and it wasn't all about the Chiefs. So I always kind of of couch that when I hear that. It wasn't all about Kansas City. They know – I would have to believe – I can't imagine that McDermott and Bean – we're not thinking that the Patriots were going to be back in this this year because they know that organization too well. And, you know, they don't play like the chiefs, but the bills knew that that was a team they were going to have to beat first. You play them twice. They're in your division. So yeah, I wouldn't say it was all about the chiefs. I have one more for you on the bills. And I just wanted to kind of hit a couple of quick uh, minutes on, on the, you know, some league topics. Uh, Sal, is this a playoff team? Are the bills going to make the playoffs? Yeah, I do think they're going to make the playoffs because they've got three teams on their schedule all at home that they should beat. And it it shouldn't be all that difficult. You know, Carolina, Atlanta, and then the Jets. That gets them to 10 wins. And I think 10 wins in the AFC right now, you've got so many other teams that are just bunched up together. And they're all, some of them are all playing each other the Browns, the Bengals, the Raiders, the Broncos. Um, So, you know, someone's going to win, someone's going to lose those games. And I think if the Bills just take care of their own business, even if they lose to the Patriots, I mean, I kind of give it up on the division. I, you know, Unless the Colts can beat the Patriots Saturday night and then the Bills would beat the Panthers, then then the Bills have a look at the division. But if, if the Patriots win that game, I, I've kind of given up hope on, you know, the Bills winning the East and I, cause, because, honestly, I'm not sure the Bills can go to New England and win. But if they take care of their business, Mike, and win the other three games, 10 wins, I think, should get them in. I was going to go right to that Colts-Pats game. I mean, Bill Belichick, two weeks to prepare for Carson Wentz, two weeks to prepare for Frank Reich, uh, you know, two weeks to prepare across the board. It's going to have to be Jonathan Taylor for, you know, 160 yards and three touchdowns if they're going to win this game, right? I mean, against a a Patriots defense that is just, it's it's a freaking wall, Sal. That defense is a wall. Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, they are they are a defense that can stop the run, and that is the Colts' strength. Obviously, that's how they killed the Bills. So it's a big game. Uh, it is it is at Indy, which I would hope would be an advantage for them. But you know, I fully expect the Patriots are probably going to go in there and win that game. I hope I'm wrong, but it's going to be a tough ask. But unless they have a great night, and, and let's face it, they had a great day against the Bills. The Colts can't play better than the way they played the day they played Buffalo. So if they can do that again, then they'll have a pretty good chance to beat the Patriots. But I'm not sure they're capable of a game quite like that again. The, the Patriots. I mean, last year they're seven and nine with all the guys missing, Cam Newton, the Corona stuff, injuries. I don't even know how Belichick got him to seven and nine. And now this year they're a front runner to win not only the AFC East, but they're a front runner to possibly go to the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah. what, Sal? When is is it is is it ever going to end? I mean, Brady, no Brady. You know, it doesn't it? They're just here. We go again. You know, with this with this team, this franchise. 
Yeah, it, it is. It's never going to end as long as Belichick is there. People all said, "Oh, it was all Brady." Look, it was it was a lot of Brady. There's no doubt in my mind. That was fifty fifty, man. Brady was more yeah. important, but yeah. Belichick is still a hell of a coach. He knows how to get an organization put together, and they're going to be a factor for as long as he's there. It's just it just it's just so funny. You look at the last two weeks, uh, Mike, and who was it? Belichick and Brady again. Sticking it, sticking it to the Bills in back-to-back weeks, and it just seems like until those guys are out of the league, nothing's going to change. They're both going to be great. Okay, final thing here. Hit hit me with, um, you know, some some NFC stuff. I mean, obviously, I know you you, you cover the Bills, but you you cover the the whole league too, uh, to a degree. Um, the NFC kind of power ranking here. You know, how how does it look in terms of the the top? I I think it's. I mean, I know the Rams got a big win over the Cardinals, but I think it's – I almost kind of think it's a battle of the Bays again here. I mean, Green Bay and Tampa, to me, seem like the two top teams easily. Yeah, to me, I mean, again, I've, I've seen Green Bay play a few times because they're always on, on you know, on the primetime mm-hmm. windows. But that's at the Bay team is really good. I, I just I, I just think that with Brady you know, still playing the way he plays, to me, they're still the favorite to win it. Now, they went to, they went to Green Bay last year. And yes. one, so who's to say they can't do that again mm-hmm. if the Packers get the top seed? I, I still don't believe in Arizona. Um, Hopkins is out now, probably the rest of the regular season. So I, I don't believe in them. I think it's down to the Bays. And if you, if I had to pick one, I would still say Tampa Bay is better on both sides of the ball. You know, one thing that could help though the Green Bay Packers this year if they get home field advantage, Sal is that Mike Pettin won't be their defensive coordinator. Because remember, they left solo coverage at the end of the first half in that game, and uh, and Tampa struck, and that, that changed the whole game. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they, they have played better on defense this year. So it, it'll be a great championship game if it comes down to that. So. Yeah, no doubt. Devondre Campbell's been amazing. They've, they, I mean, they've overcome a ton of injuries, too, with Alexander and, and, and Smith. It's been, a, it's been an impressive year, and Rodgers... I think is battling Brady right now for the MVP. Sal Marana covers the Buffalo Bills for the Rochester Democrat and Chronicle on Twitter at Sal Marana. Sal, happy holidays. Appreciate it. Keep up the great work, man. All right, Mike. Hey, pleasure being here as always. listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform check us out at believe.com and search for b-l-e-a-v on youtube this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.